Hi, this is Chip with 2MTL216, a look back at the first half of Series 6 of Doctor Who. Once again, this is a time dilation episode of the Two Minute Time Lord podcast when I dispense with the two minute format because I've got some really interesting people here to talk about the first half of Series 6. I have, first off, from the Cathode Ray Tube blog, the author of Doctor Who, The Pandorica Opens, which is an immensely well-regarded uh, analysis of the last series of Doctor Who. It's Frank Collins. Hello. Frank, I'm so glad that you're here. Also with me, uh, my friend from Galley, uh, from Gallifrey22, uh, a writer for Nerdist.com and a film critic for BattleshipPretension.com, the one and only Kyle Anderson. Hello! How's everybody doing? I think we're all doing splendidly, and that would hopefully extend <laughs> to uh, the one and only Teresa Giacino, who's here with us. She's a writer for Tor.com, and she's been covering Doctor Who quite heavily on that site. She's also a comics reviewer for Newsarama and contributor to Whedonistas. Teresa, welcome to the Two Minute Time Lord podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Well, you three are really, really cool people, and I wanted to have you guys around to talk about Series 6, which has just wrapped up in the U.S. It's been done and dusted for about a week over in the U.K., where you are, Frank. And I just wanted to start with you, Frank, real quick. Uh, mm -hmm. What's the reaction to uh, Series 6 been, as far as you could tell, uh, in the both in you know fan circles and popular media? I think um, it's been very positive, as far as I can tell. Um, there are some, I think there are some questions that fans inevitably will have um, about what has actually taken place in the series and what kind of changes Moffat, if any, if he's brought any changes, what he's brought to the series at this time around. But I think overall, um, there's been a very positive reaction uh, I think it's gone down very well. And I think most people are thinking, why is there a season break? Why do we have to wait until um, the autumn for the rest of the series? Because the, the final episode, A Good Man Goes to War, kind of left us with a, a rather interesting cliffhanger. It did, a, a huge one. And um, people were only just getting used to the idea that Doctor Who was back again after a uh, exactly, Christmas yes. break, and now it's gone away. This has been a standout year for Doctor Who in the U.S., though. Let me ask Teresa, since uh, with your uh, work with Newsarama and Tor, you're probably pretty plugged in to uh, the pop culture buzz. How are people taking to Doctor Who all of a sudden? Oh, they're loving it. It's Even the difference from, from last season to this season has been huge. Like... Uh, I was lucky enough to be able to go to the uh, New York City screening last year when they uh, came to Greenwich Village and, and screened the first episode. And that you've already had a huge reaction, but this year it was insane. Like the, the line was twice as long, the coverage everywhere, the ads I was seeing everywhere, it was off the charts this year. So I know the United States is very excited about the show this time around. Kyle, any feedback on that? Well, yeah, from what I've been seeing on uh, on the forums and things like that, um, it, it seems like everyone's really enjoying it. And everyone's, you know, into the the story and the mystery of the whole thing. Um, you know, there's always going to be a few people who are, are naysayers or who, who don't like certain episodes or just don't mm -hmm. like Moffat. But um, by and large, I think everybody that I've talked to um, has really enjoyed it and really taken to it. 
Yeah. Now, one one question that I wanted to ask the three of you, uh, coming from your different perspectives, is how different Series 6 feels like compared to Series 5, which really struck me as a transitional year. And it started with a really transitional episode that seemed to be hand-designed to uh, walk a skeptical audience over into falling in love with Matt Smith. Does uh, Series 6 feel like more of the same, or just, or is it really starting a whole new chapter? For me, I think that um, we've moved on from transition now, and we're actually into a series that is, it certainly has more of a stamp of Stephen Moffat on it than the previous year. Um, I think Series 5 was particularly focused on a number of things to help fans trans, you know, move on from the David Tennant and Russell T. Davis era into the next era. Um, so we had an introduction of a new Doctor, new companions, and I think the whole series was kind of geared really towards those things and establishing those things, establishing the new Doctor and the new companions. Um, establishing a very different kind of companion, I think, as well, from what we'd seen with Rose, Martha and Donna previously. So, um, And with Series 6, I think it's kind of settled into very much uh, a focus on the triangular relationship between the Doctor, Amy and Rory now, that Rory has come on board as a companion. And I think the character of Amy has certainly settled down. I, uh, for me personally, last year, I had a problem kind of um, empathising with Amy as a character until about halfway through Series 5. And then when the introduction of Rory proper came into the series, I think then that the character actually started to blossom. And now I actually enjoy that relationship between the three of them in, uh, in the current series. So I think it's very much um, consolidating this series, Series 6, and really allowing Moffat to put his ideas into the show proper. That's how I see it anyway. Let's come back to uh, the question of Amy, because uh, Teresa's written some fascinating stuff mm -hmm. about Moffat's women. But uh, Kyle and Teresa, does the series feel different to either of you? I, I, I think it's, it's definitely um, because no, uh, there wasn't a new Doctor changed between mm. five and six, and there wasn't a, a new companion to introduce in series six. It, it can just start playing with the characters. And I think the fact that Rory is a, com a permanent companion now, um, it really, it, you know, the dynamic between the three of them it has been growing uh, ever since uh, the end of yeah. last season, which I think is important. And I think it, it sets the series apart from any of the ones before because there isn't we don't have to worry about getting to know anybody like mm. we already know them and we already like them and they can actually start to grow and change as characters, which I think is really good. I think one of the, the, the big difference for me between series five and six was the fact that series five seemed more... Um, child-friendly, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it mm -hmm. seemed more yeah. about the fairy tale aspect of Doctor yes. Who and, and, and childish adventures. This series is, is definitely more about the mystery. It's more about kind of a higher-stakes, darker story, which I love yes. and, I, and I completely appreciate, and I don't think it will, you know, put kids off. I mean, kids love Doctor Who. Yes, it's, it's much darker else. in tone, isn't it? Definitely. It is, yeah. much. And uh, and scarier. Um, and not, yeah. not just about the mm -hmm. monsters, but about what's happening to Amy. I mean, that's just frightening. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's more psychological and more um, dangerous, as opposed to last season, which was kind of like, mm. the Doctor's going to save us always. Um, so that's the big difference for me. And I, and I like the change. I just did notice that. 
Well, this this the 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 last episode just had uh, Amy holding her child and then having it melt away into nothing. Like yeah. they would never have done that before the series. And that I think was that, a truly shocking image. Absolutely, I and I think yeah. I, you know that's that's scary for anyone. Like yeah. you know, even if you're not a kid, like old people, I think would find that scary. Mm. Yeah. Thank heaven that yeah, they've done so much setting that up with the previous episodes to sort of make that that little scene palatable. Because yes. if if that had come out of the blue, uh, oh man! <laughs> yeah. Yes, they need they needed yeah. to do that, didn't they? In the in the previous two parter uh, to make that effective, I think. Well, uh, was, Steve, yeah, Stephen Moffat has definitely ramped up the creepy aspect of Doctor Who. Uh, many people have. Uh, called it a, a callback to uh, the Philip Hinchcliffe days of the old series. Yeah. Um, and some people call it more Doctor Who now than the RTD years ever wa- were, which I disagree with slightly. There have always been different genres. Uh, but one thing that strikes me, and I'm a comparative newbie when it comes to classic Who, I, 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 I watch it, but I haven't absorbed it all, is I don't think there's ever been this sort of puzzle box aspect to uh, storytelling that we've had in series five and six, by which I mean um, really intricate yeah. mysteries and plotting and things that really depend on reveals and misdirection. Has has the classic series? E- did the classic series ever go in for this level of intricacy? I don't think it did mm-hmm. uh, originally. Um, I think this is very much um, a Stephen Moffat trait. It's very much how he writes for Doctor Who. I think if you go back to something like The Time of Angels, you get the gothic elements that we now have seen ramped up in Series 6. And you get this um, constant treating of time and time travel as if he's kind of using it in a sort of cubist way in that he's he's kind of layering in narratives from all kinds of directions and he's giving you lots of misdirection as well and i think that that is particularly a moffat thing i think i don't think that the original series ever got to that level of of kind of complex plotting before now does that risk something with the general audience i wonder um i live with somebody who has become a little turned off by this approach mm-hmm. to storytelling on the other hand uh looking at the ratings uh yeah when, once you factor in the tape delays or pvr delays um the show seems to be as popular as ever mm-hmm. uh yes i think um Anecdotally, from from the people I've spoken to, uh, some people have been kind of rather put off by the uh, complicated narratives that uh, have been set up in the series. And um, I think they're missing perhaps some of the broader strokes that Russell T. Davies brought to plotting and also maybe some of the very... Uh, emotional character writing that Russell was very good at. I think some of those elements are actually missing, and those are the kinds of things that actually hook in, uh, I would say, a casual audience rather than a fan audience. And I think that that's the slight difference that you've got. A lot of those sort of emotional sort of little character parts that Russell used to put into the series have kind of gone now, as has the relationship with Earth and the companions' families as well. A lot of that has gone, and I think some people are missing that. Kyle, over at Nerdist.com, you've got a fairly general 
nerdish audience. Uh, it's not just uh, Doctor Who people clogging up the forums or mm-hmm. comments over there. What are they reacting to? They seem to be just going along with the for the ride. I was expecting a lot more, you know, kickback because this is, you know, as we've been saying, it's a much more complicated series. You know, it's all interconnected more, much more so than it has been in the past. And but people seem to be willing to take the ride, which I think is is important. And, and I feel like this series is, you know, Moffat is trying to engage with the audience and make them pay attention, which, you know, we started last year um, with putting in little things throughout episodes that would pay off later. Um, he's trying to make people pay attention, and I feel like they are. And there are some people who, not necessarily in a negative way, they're they are lazy TV watchers. They don't necessarily <laughs> want to yes. be. They don't yeah. want to be engaged in that way. But Moffat's saying, you know, this, you know, this is the story I'm telling. Come along or don't. And I think for the most part, people are are willing to to go on that ride. And I think that's that's good for the show um, because it's getting a lot more. You know, it's becoming more appointment TV than it necessarily was in the last few years. As long as it's more like Lost and less like Heroes in the end. Uh, Teresa, <laughs> you were going to say something? Yeah, no, I was going to say that, um, and it's interesting that you do bring up Lost, I think people are more used to complicated storytelling these days. Like, you know, there are so many shows that require a certain level of involvement, and uh, and films, too. Like, you, you expect the plot twist. You expect... Um, it's almost become cliche, like, you know, the end of the sixth sense, you know, like you mm-hmm. you kind of expect something to be completely turned on its head. And when it's not, people get disappointed. So I think that what I love about Moffat's writing and what I think that is appealing for a lot of people is the fact that it, it requires a little more work yes, because exactly. that's what people come to expect. Yeah, um, if it didn't have the plot twist, people would be complaining about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> As far as the three of you are concerned, how did you feel about series 6.1 or the first half of series six or so uh, step up from series five, more of the same? Was there something missing that you wished had been emphasized more? I feel like because the series, this was a half series and that was the way it was treated. Like this is a finale and not just a, you know, pause basically. I, I kind of missed the, the lulls that you got when you have a full 13, not the lull necessarily in the storytelling, but just in like, you have time, you have episodes that are just fun or just like self-contained yeah. episodes. And I felt like a monster every, of the week, a monster of the week stuff. And I feel like every one of these was leading towards this big reveal at the end, which is fine. But you kind of go, well, now that that's over, you know, I didn't, you know, with the exception of the doctor's wife, which had, I believe, no reference to the eye patch lady. But it did have that line about the only water in the forest is the river or whatever they said. Yeah. Oh, um, you know, and she and the eye patch lady did appear in that when Amy was asleep in the in the boat. Oh no! When no, that was curse of the. Yeah, that was the black spot. Yeah. yeah. Curse of the not mermaid lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was that curse of the black spot was really the only monster of the week kind of episode, if you want to describe it as that, in the yeah. middle of the rest of this grand narrative so I, I kind of agree with the 13 episodes you tend to get a, a bit more time in between the the bigger bolder episodes which which are that to do with the overall series mythos you get a time for a bit of to relax a little bit and have a bit of fun so i think that yes that is kind of one of the things that i've sort of missed this year but apart from that i think the, i think actually the they've raised the standard of the show this year i think it's much better than it was previously Certainly in the production uh, design. Yeah, yeah. I think it's amazing what they're doing on that budget at the moment because they don't have a particularly high budget. 
And I think um, particular praise should go to Michael Pickwood because I think he's he's been a brilliant addition to the production team. Such a far cry from the factory floor with the sprinklers on the ceiling yep. for the victory of the Daleks <laughs> ship. Yep. Oh, that hurt but, me. Yes, Teresa. With the, oh, no, sorry. Uh, with the doctor's wife, um, I'd heard, you know, there's so much buildup about that episode, and uh, mm. Neil Gaiman had said on his Twitter and, and various other places that he'd had to cut a lot because of the budget. And in watching that episode, I'm like, really? What did you cut? Because already it looked like this, the, all the locations and all the, the you know, uh, building a new TARDIS from scratch and, and all of that, it just looked like a very expensive episode to begin with. I'm like, you cut things? So <laughs> it, they're doing amazing work. Well, one of the things that we've talked about in looking at uh, Series 5 and 6 has been Amy and uh, uh, and also, to a certain extent, River Song in terms of uh, their role as female companions compared to some fairly groundbreaking approaches that RTD used uh, with Rose and uh, Donna and, I would argue, to a slightly lesser extent, Martha. Teresa, you've been writing an interesting series of columns over at Tor about Moffat's women. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, well, one of the things that I uh, I noticed was that uh, even during the RTD seasons, Moffat's female characters always, you know, were the ones that jumped out and grabbed me, from Sally Sparrow to even, you know, Nancy in um, uh, The Doctor Dances and uh, The Empty Child small characters, but they, they were fleshed out so much and had so much depth to them, um, even if they were only a guest star, that I decided to write about them because I thought they were a great kind of addition to women in sci-fi. So I wanted to focus on that and see if, if he would follow that through when he became showrunner. And I think he has. Uh, how so? Tell me, tell me a little bit about Amy Pond. The, what's the Teresa Giacino experience of Amy Pond? <laughs> Amy Pond. <laughs> Um, first of all, I adore Amy Pond. The uh, start of Moffat's Women originally was because I was concerned because there was a lot of discussion about Karen Gillan's looks. Um, and I think we can all agree she's gorgeous. Like, that's not in question. But I was worried that that would, was kind of the reason she was hired, and I thought that the character would kind of revolve around that. And it has, but not in the way that I was worried about. I think that Amy is a character that knows she's attractive. She's always been this alpha female that has kind of made her living, I mean, literally, the kissogram, off of her looks. And I think he's exploring that in a really interesting way in that he's not just focusing on that and it's not just that she's set dressing, but that it's really a part of her relationship with the doctor. Like, why is that her currency? It's like, does it have to do with the fact that she was so very disappointed when she was seven and now she doesn't mm. trust anybody and so she kind of uses the superficial, yeah. you know, currency to get around and to get by in life because she can't trust anyone. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, and Frankie actually brought up uh, how Rory kind of makes her better. Um, yeah. And I agree with that. Like, that that part of... of uh, I don't think you can have a full... Amy character without Rory, and I don't think that's no. a bad thing. He, he gives her what she needs, and, uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting to watch that dynamic between them. Yeah. I think um, all of Series 5 was actually about Amy's transformation from a sort of, in a way, what I saw as a sort of precociousness to a fully actualized personality, because she was trying to resolve a lot of her... 
anxieties, particularly about abandonment from both parents and the doctor when the doctor first visited her as a child. And yeah. I think that whole trust issue was what Series 5 was about. It was about Amy learning to trust the Doctor and also Amy accepting that Rory was going to be her husband because for a long time she was really ambivalent about Rory and didn't quite know what to do with him. Um, yeah. But that kind of got resolved about halfway through the series and I think that made Series 5 particularly interesting from the sort of female companion's point of view because... Although I like Rose and Martha and Donna, I still found um, they were still sort of deferring to the Doctor's kind of patriarchy in a way. And mm -hmm. I think Amy actually challenges that. She actually spends a lot of Series 5 challenging that. Series 6, I don't know. I think because it's all settled down a little bit, she's still a very uh, strong character. But I don't think she's... I don't think she's as interesting as she was in Series 5. I might be wrong, but that's kind of what I thought. The thing that I worry about with her is that in both Series 5 and the first half of Series 6 here is that everything happens to her, and it never really happens mm. because of her, if that makes sense. Like, she's not she's not behind any of the change that goes on for her. It's, it's all, like, the crack is doing stuff, or in this one, mm. like, it's the fact mm. that she is flesh and she's pregnant, and, like, it's her baby that is what's... It's, driving so I, I worry that like whereas rory l literally grows and he becomes a, like a centurion he is a superhero mm. in this last episode um yeah. amy is still just kind of like the plot is happening to her and not because of her and i think that's that's i worry about that because she is an interesting character i do like mm. amy but it's like oh well now she's gonna be kidnapped or she you know she's not and I don't think she is a damsel. She shouldn't be the damsel, but, like, everything seems there to happen to her. There is a hint of that, her. though, isn't there? Yeah. The, well, the, the, there I, is a hint of that. I don't know that I... Because that actually came up in one of my recent reviews. Um, that a, Somebody said that Amy was um, falling into the women in refrigerators mm. trope. And mm. I disagreed with that because... Just because a woman is in danger doesn't mean mm. she's a victim in that way, you know? Like, definitely. You know, no, I definitely happen. agree with that. Bad things happen to people, you know, and this, yeah. I think it's interesting that there's so much focus on Amy's baby because that means, I, you know, it, it, it cannot, ha like, it can't not have something to do with her. Like, it has to be yeah. a woman that right. is dealing with this because it couldn't possibly be a man. Like, and that I think is really interesting. I think the idea of Amy's motherhood moving forward is going to be very important. Um, what does it mean to be a mother? What is different about her being a mother versus the doctor having had children. Because mm -hmm. um, that's all stuff that's, that's come up. And I also disagree with, with Amy, not uh, everything happening to her because there, and I have this argument all the time. It's like, mm -hmm. ah. but um, uh, you know, for example, like the beast below going back to series five, where like the doctor yes. comes up with a solution, yes, that's, but that's Amy true. makes it work. Her insights into Vincent van Gogh, like her, um, uh, Victory of the Daleks, like, she was the one who stopped that bomb from going off. I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, yes, it's like the doctor sets it up and she knocks him down. Right. Um, that was really more think... the, that was more, oh. I think, the first half of that. So, like, once Amy's choice, that was, like, her pinnacle. Like, she chooses oh, yeah. a story. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. That's where she was a character, like a great character for me. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then the Silurian yes. two-parter, she's sitting there, like, bored. She doesn't want to be part of that. And then, once Rory is gone, she's kind of half a character, which is the point, which is, I think that's, that's perfect. But then 
like she hasn't really ever gotten for me anyway gotten back to where she was in Amy's Choice where she is the strong-willed woman she's doing things on purpose because in in Pandora opens in Big Bang she's kind of just along for the ride and it's all about her because she's the girl that doesn't make sense you know what I mean right. so like I, I also also I would say she's the one who actually brings the doctor back let's not forget that at the that's end. true you're absolutely yeah. right about that you know that's a key moment there that's why she's actually involved in that story because at the end of it she's going to bring everyone back including her parents as well let me uh ask uh, a similar question about river song she's been she's been around since before moffat became the showrunner although he was clearly setting some things up for himself uh in that two-parter is she a character or is she a plot device or is she um this the most lazy criticism you can make of a character of a female character is the so-called Mary yeah. Sue, which keeps getting redefined uh, every which way you turn. But what kind of role does this character play in Moffat's story? Um, I think the second that River became a full character for me was in the first the opening of, of series six when she tells Rory that the worst thing that's going to happen to her is when the doctor doesn't remember her anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that kind of, of humanized her in a way that nothing else had before. Um, and that's kind of how I've been viewing her, you know, throughout. I think it's interesting that even with this cliffhanger and even knowing that, you know, Amy and Rory are her parents, we still really don't know anything about her at all. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. We don't know what her relationship with the doctor is. I mean, clearly they have, you know, a romantic relationship, but we don't really know what her, uh, what her place is in his world yet. All we know is her parentage. All we know is that she's, you know, going to do something huge. Um, But this reveal really actually wasn't (laughs) much of a reveal when you think about it, which I think is great because if it was just that Amy is her mom, you know, great, but that's not really a story. <laughs> I think River, uh, I kind of agree with what Teresa was saying. I think it's really, she's more of a symbol than anything else. And she's just a symbol of um, like an, a symbolic enchantress with a secret. That's what she's there for. And so she's been there for since... Moffat introduced her in uh, Silence in the Library. So she's just been this symbol carrying this great secret and we've just been waiting for her to reveal what the secret is. And hopefully when the secret is revealed, she becomes a fully-fledged character and you know who she is and what, where she's come from and why she's in the series. So, but I don't think we've quite got there yet. We've only had part of the reveal. Um, My fear is once we do get the yeah. reveal, that'll be the end of Alex Kingston that, on the show. Right, it could be the end of the, yes. I mean, we know, we, obviously we know her ultimate fate, um, but we don't quite know how that will, you know, that will carry on through the, the series and how far Moffat will allow that to, ca- you know, to continue. But I think, you know, she just, uh, basically she, she just offers, a, a, the character is just a symbol that it's somebody who we never really know what she's, who she is, who she seems to be. Um, and she's just been, I think she's the classic femme fatale. I think it's kind of, she's the mm. mystery, one of the mysteries at the heart of the series. And he's going to string that along as, as much as he can, because that's really what she's there for. What I think I is, say, would it, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was going to say, I, I wish that we could, and this will never happen, but I wish we could have an episode about one of the times that she 
is just hanging out with the doctor. Like yeah. right. all those, those trips that she alludes to, I wish there were one episode where we see that happen. Like, Oh, they went on the picnic in the hills of whatever that are magical. Um, and we just see that. And then, you know. Yeah. Regretfully, I think we're as likely to see that as we're li- likely to see the spin-off with the Victorian Silurian. <laughs> yeah. um, but I would pay such good money. So for would that I. One. So would oh I. Oh my god. Kyle, you were going to say something. Uh, one of the song. things. One of the things I'm really looking forward to. Um, you know, once that arc ends or whatever gets a little further in, is is actually going and watching the ep- watching her episodes in her chronological order, seeing how yes. how she changes and everything like that. Because I. In uh, Science of the Library, we don't know anything about her, a thing at all. Uh, and then when she re- returns in Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone, she's interesting and she's mysterious, but she's really smug and I didn't like her at all. Um, but I think, I think that is because she knows that the Doctor doesn't know her at all. So she's, uh, you know, I, once, once she had that scene with Rory in um, Impossible Astronaut and she's like, that's my biggest fear is that I won't, he won't know who I am. She's like putting up this wall, like I know all this stuff and you know absolutely nothing about me. So she's just being kind of just being a brat because she can. That's what I think. And so like it'll be interesting to see from her perspective when she I don't know if we're ever going to see her actually just meet the doctor for the first time. But um, or, you know, when she's old enough to go with them. Uh, But like seeing how she relates to the doctor and then there's that moment where she knows that they will never kiss again, which I think is also a really good moment where she's just like, all right, this is the beginning yeah. of the end of my relationship with the doctor. And so that must be difficult for her, which, which I think tempers a lot of, of, of her to us earlier stuff where she's kind of just kind of not nice. I don't think. But also I, what I do like about her is that she does seem to, in that smugness, she seems to enjoy her role and she has fun with it. Like, you know, spoilers and all of that. Like she, mm-hmm. She's an adventurer. She, you know, she's not your conventional woman. Like, no matter, you know, because of her unique history, like, she is somebody who appreciates that, and she has fun with it, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the way she toys with the Doctor and with everyone yes. else. Yes. She enjoys the pleasure she gets from undermining him, I think, as well. Uh, I think that's a key thing in her sort of construction as a character. Something uh, that uh, she and her mother have in common. Indeed, yeah. yes, they both they both try to demystify the Doctor's power in in effect, um, and that's also part and parcel of of Moffat trying to move the Doctor more towards the sort of innocence of the sort of asexual character that you would have seen in the classic series. Even though we know that he does have an intimate relationship with um, River at some point, and we've seen a hint of that. Yeah, it's hard think, to, it's hard yeah. for me to hear him described as asexual the way they were shimmying against exactly, each other at the end exactly. of Day of the Moon. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, like, the, one of the things I love about this series is that he's really, maybe because, it's, because he is younger and because he knows her a little bit less than he did mm. before, um, he's really flirting with her, like hardcore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he, um, and, and, you know, when they kiss, you know, he likes it. He doesn't know why she's kissed him, but he <laughs> enjoys it. And he's kind of freaked out, but that's okay. And he, the banter and the, you know, you're giving me that look again, you know, that look that, you know, that it's I'm very you know, Tracy really and clever Hepburn, right now. <laughs> very, very Tracy and Hepburn type relationship in those, exactly. those football comedies. Yeah. One last question that I'd like to ask uh, the three of you comes from a recent uh, conversation I had on another podcast, the, the Doctor Who podcast uh, with uh, Tom, uh, where we he was asserting that Series 6 and I guess uh, Series 5 as well, the whole story is about identity. 
um, yes. who you are and who, who who you are and who you are really different layers. We have Rory and Amy, both of them transformed and transfigured and uh, hidden at various stages. And of course, the Doctor is a massive enigma, as is River Song. Now, from as a dyed in the wool RTD fanboy, I enjoyed watching these characters that I felt like I'd come to know, and it's it seems to me that Moffat is actively working against that to a certain extent, trying to give us characters that we can't know as well. Frank, what do you, what do you think about this question of identity in uh, Doctor Who? I think it's uh, particularly strong in the in series six. I think that that we've had a lot about doppelgangers and not knowing who you really are as themes going right through. We've had uh, two doctors, two Amys. Uh, we've had two of the uh, of the Canton characters, the old and the young version. So there are there are duplicates all over the place throughout the series and it's kind of a shifting sands of who these characters are we're not quite sure exactly who they are we haven't got them pinned down yet so i think there's a real emphasis there about um that feeds into our own sort of uh, anxieties about who we are and and what makes us the person that we are so i think it's a very strong theme definitely and duplicate Rory's as well. Um, oh, duplicate Rory's as well. We've had a plastic he, Rory and a... He was plastic. <laughs> he's and he's a centurion now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, one of the, um, the, the things that I, I do love about that kind of exploration and the way that Moffat is doing it, and again, like RTD was my first Doctor Who, um, and I will always love the stories he created. Um, but one of the uh, things I love about Moffat is that it is about who you are outside of your circumstances. Mm. Um, because, you know, in, in the RTD years, you know, everybody did have a family and you got to know them through the other characters in their life. Um, whereas for Amy, you know, what does it mean to be you when you don't have parents, when you don't have, um, certain things, when you're, when your history is kind of blank, what makes you, what makes a person a person? I think it's more, so it's not even about their individual identities as much as what makes a human being or what makes a, um, a time lord, <laughs> um, but what makes an individual soul an individual soul? And I do like that because it's, you know, when Rory was an auton, um, he still felt like Rory. He had all his memories. So what is it about that that makes him a Rory as opposed to an auton? Kind of reminds yes. me of Battlestar Galactica a little bit with the Cylons, yeah. but mm. I won't go into that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's that same kind of, you know, debate, like what does it mean to be artificial versus real? What I've found really interesting with all the, the doubling and everything is that when the doctor had a double, when he, when he had a flesh doppelganger, it, he, they got along fine. He knew exactly who he was and the doc, and he was like, that's also me. Like he's, he's the, obviously he's been around, you know, he's the character we know the best as far as, you know, time with and, um, and and he's completely fine with himself. There could be four or five of him, I think, and he'd be like, "All right, we're just we are the doctor," which I think is which is interesting. So, like, as far as knowing himself, whereas Amy was so put off by both, you know, uh, eventually both of them, uh, whereas and she was a double at that moment in time too. So it's very it's very interesting how how mm. he he is uh, everything that they are afraid to be. If that makes any sense. Well, my last my last question for the three of you is, uh, how sustainable is all this? 
intricate puzzle box plotting, characters who are mysterious and intriguing, and yet there's a certain unknowable quality to almost all of them at this point. This is a series, uh, the last two series, have asked a lot of audiences. Where do you see this going? How do you think, um, how far do you think uh, Stephen Moffat can take this? Because I have the feeling that he'll take it as far as he bloody well can try. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I think he will. Um, Even though, you know, I've been sort of listening to other fans saying that they're, they're getting to the point where they feel he's actually starting to repeat himself. There are actually certain story ideas that are actually being recycled now but then you know i kind of think well there are only so many stories to tell and the art of doing that is you know the the art of a good writer is just to keep recycling and making those stories seem as if they're fresh anyway so i'm not particularly worried about that um i think i think it's going to be interesting to see what he does with the doctor now because of the sort of revelations about his character in a good man goes to war because we actually saw i actually saw we actually saw a darker side of the doctor in that episode Mm. and he realized he actually realized that the myth of himself is actually becoming greater than he is and that again we're going back to identity we're going back to ideas of um where you know the the kind of the myth of the oncoming storm is actually all that represents him out there now, and he's he's very worried about that because he obviously feels that's not really him, um, and what he's doing is you know is for the good, the greater good, and he's he's trying not to instill fear in other races. So I think that would be an interesting thing because I think I think that's an idea that he's going to take and and take us through to the end of this uh, the current series, the sixth series. So. I think that's where it's going. And I think he'll just keep doing those puzzle box narratives because he loves that stuff. Yeah. And there's always a new puzzle box, you know? Like, mm. eventually mm. This, this story will be resolved. There will be an ending. I, I don't think he's... I don't think that there's anything that Moffat writes that he doesn't have a, an end game for. Mm. Um, what I'm curious to see is what will happen next. Because Doctor Who is the kind of story that can go on forever. This guy in a box he can you know regenerate he can meet new people he can do new things so uh, i i don't think people should worry because there will always be a new puzzle to solve even when this is over and i wonder if if because of what's what's happening with the doctor and how you know like like frank was saying his his legend is is becoming larger than uh than him uh, if if by the end of it he will just go back to being like the intergalactic kobo like i'm just you know i'm just gonna go and and pop around and stuff like that instead of being like, you know, he'll probably still save the day and stuff like that, but it'll be, I, I wonder if it'll be, or Moffat at least set up the way it was back in the classic series where it was just kind of like, he goes from place to place mm. and writes wrongs and, and is much more, you know, um, you know, the highway to heaven instead of like, you know, <laughs> Superman, if that makes any sense. Wow. Yeah. I have never heard Doctor Who compared to highway to heaven before. That's pretty <laughs> apt though. <laughs> Wow. I'll be thinking about that one all night. <laughs> Michael Not Landon even, should have been the doctor. Not even Quantum Leap? You wouldn't go Quantum Leap? I would go Quantum Leap. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one too. That's 
That's probably more apt. Yeah. Just, I don't know why my mind went to Highway to Heaven before Quantum Leap. Uh, you were thinking about Last of the Time Lords, I'm sure. Must have been. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. It's run a little bit longer than I pulled you in for, but I really do appreciate it. You are three great writers about Doctor Who, Great three great Doctor Who critics among the fan groups. Um, Teresa Cicino, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, well, the best place to find me is probably at my blog, the Teresa Giacino Experience, um, which is teresagiacino.wordpress.com. And that's J-U-S-I-N-O? Um, J-U-S-I-N-O, that's right. And, uh, you know, you can pretty much, you know, get to my Twitter from there, get to my Facebook from there, and uh, check out what I'm writing. All right. Kyle, how about you? Um, I write, um, once a week I write something for Battleship Pretension, and once a week, or more, I write stuff for Nerdist. Um, you can go to those websites, or you can go uh, follow me on Twitter at Functional Nerd. Um, and I usually, I always post links to the stuff that I write there. And you can listen or read my silly things that I write. And Frank, we've mentioned your blog at cathoderaytube.blogspot.com, but you haven't said much about uh, the Pandorica Opens. Tell me a little bit about that book. Pandorica Opens uh, came about from the blog reviews I was doing for Series 5. Uh, a publisher actually spotted them and said, would you like to turn the blog reviews into a book? Uh, at which point I sort of leapt up in the air and said, yes, please. So that's really where Pandorica Opens came from. And it's it's the blog reviews usually are about, I don't know, 2,000 words. Those are those. Reviews are expanded way up into fifteen thousand words per. Holy episode. cow! So it's you know it's they're a real thorough analysis of series five episodes, mm. and you wow. can get that. Um, I think you can get it from Amazon.com, but if you have trouble with that, you can always go to the publisher, which is ClassicTVPress.co.uk, and buy it from them. Um, and I'm on Twitter as well as Cathode Ray Tube, and anything I put up on the blog uh, will have links there as well. And I commend all three of you to my listeners, and thank you all three so much for being on the Two Minute Time Board podcast. You're welcome. I had a good time. Thank yes. you. You're very welcome. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Two Minute Time Lord podcast, regular two-minute editions. We'll be back very soon. In the meantime, find more episodes at TWOMinuteTimeLord.com and also links to the old social media stuff. Again, thanks a lot for your time. <laughs>